0: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the CFDs Weekly Podcast. Uh, this week we have Jonathan Baumgart on again. It's actually the third time you've been on Jonathan. So uh, thank, thanks for, thanks very much for, for joining me. I think you're back in uh, you're back in Poland now. Last time we spoke, you're in the US. So how are things in Poland?
1: It's great. It's good to be back on normal hours. It's uh, not that uh, the hours in the US are abnormal, but uh, for anyone who's in this business knows a lot of it happens on this time zone. So. Much easier to to work on these hours, and you know now I can go to some upcoming expos and, and travel more easily than I could being kind of uh, isolated in, in the US with with an industry that's very much focused outside of there.
0: Yeah, for sure. And uh, on the subject of the US <laughs> today, it we're going to be uh, <laughs> we're going to be looking at a couple of things. But the first thing is some of the stuff that happened with my forex funds. So. I think most people listening will probably be familiar with them but for anyone who's not this was one of the big players in the prop trading sector which is kind of not really actually that new. In fact we we recorded an episode about it previously and there's like a couple of firms that have been doing it for you know like 10 plus years but for whatever reason I think it's mainly regulation. Uh, it has really taken off over the past I would say 24 months and like the Just from speaking for various people, it seems like, uh, you know, there's a lot of people who are interested in starting one of these companies as well at the moment. Uh, That, however, may change, given what happened. Because I think, you know, uh, I so I spoke to the CEO of Darwinx, which was sort of in this sector earlier this year, and one of the points he made was like. You know, they're fully set up. They're regulated as an asset manager and they've been doing this for a, for a while. But he's, he was saying, you know, it's basically there's no way the regulator somewhere is not going to get involved. This this kind of happened last week. So my forex funds got completely shut down. Um, You know, I would be very, very surprised if at a minimum that they're basically going to have to pay back everything. The guy's going to be bankrupt. I would reckon he's probably going to go to prison um so can you do you you sort of have an idea of maybe what happened i mean you you were sort of more you know i guess you help companies set up and stuff like that so what do you think went wrong
1: sure well you know as a starting point you you mentioned u.s and it's always been our policy when we speak to clients about prop trading is just to stay away from the u.s and you know i'm i'm an american for those for the Listening for the first time, there's a reason I'm in Europe. I mean, the industry really got over regulated years ago and to the point where there's really only a couple of players left in the US, and it's because of strong regulation. Now, prop trading is kind of in a gray area, but I've always mentioned when in doubt, look at regulation, and if you're not sure, it's better to be licensed. What's tough about prop trading though is you know the the clients themselves are not directly putting up their money it's more of a a contest a challenge these type of things nevertheless the u.s authorities namely the, the cftc which tends to be the one that ends up you know issuing these these kind of declarations or investigating they don't like it and so the you know from my standpoint it got too big. And that's usually what happens is if something gets too big, it ends up falling on the radar of the CFTC. And either this is made an example of, or they start actively going after more companies. So what we told our clients is it's not if, but a matter of when, and we always warn, just stay away from the U S yes, it's a lucrative market, but it's lucrative because of these massive risks, but it's a kind of risk where the risk reward doesn't make sense because you can see what happened and, and how you outlined. I mean, I, I don't know what specific punishment there will be, but for sure, uh, you know, the the owner of my Forex funds is in a lot of trouble and it, it definitely wasn't worth it, you know, to ruin your entire career and everything to, to try to make quick money. So the, the main takeaway is stay away from you know the U.S. And, and we say that until we're blue in the face. And I would just add, it often comes up in conversations that people will point out. And we've even had discussion. They say, well, what about this company? What about that one? And our motto has always been, let's wait and see.
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, I yeah, there's definitely a couple of, not on the prop trading side, but on the sort of brokerage side, there's a couple of companies that you see who are like, Offshore Saint Vincent types who seem to only do business in the U.S. and you go, how's that working? But um, that's probably a whole other whole other discussion, a whole um, other
1: thing. But I I would just say it's prob- it's just a matter of time.
0: Yeah, interesting. Okay, so so one of the things you said there, right, was that you recommend to clients that they get regulated. But mm-hmm. given that this is kind of in a gray area, let's say you are a company in I don't know, you're based in Cyprus. You know, most a lot of people are saying mm-hmm. are probably going to be based in Cyprus. Um, how do you actually get regulated right because if it's not it's not a broker license and it's not it's it's, you know i don't really even know what it would be like because it's you know this it it seems to me right there's two components to the business because you have the challenge set up where you go okay you have to do x percent returns with max drawdown of x percent over this period of time and then so that's you know, people pay to do that. But then, you know, even though some of these challenges are very challenging, <laughs> just the reality of 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 numbers probably means that even if you, even if it's very difficult, some people are going to get through and there's going to be another component, right? Where, which is more like the old school, in theory, more like the old school prop trading firm where someone is, it's is just, you're giving someone money to trade, right? And there's different ways that I've seen people set that up. But like, I don't really, how how would you go about, setting up a company if i if i'm in cyprus today this is a lot this is actually the short question question. if i'm in cyprus today i want to set up um you're saying i should get regulated how do i actually do that
1: yeah well it for the moment it's just going to be a traditional license now if you're in cyprus i would still recommend offshore uh not you know offshore often has this association of oh it's shady and all this it's just the speed The, the, the problem is To get a license in Cyprus is going to take over a year. You need an office and staff and all that for prop trading is overkill. Now, if, if, if the company grows to a certain level, I think that makes sense. But let's say you're a startup, you can get an offshore license for the time being, that's going to be fine because the actual risks and everything that are happening are far less than a broker. I mean, from a regulatory standpoint, a client, depositing their own money in trading is a much harder thing for a regulator to manage in terms of liabilities and everything than prop trading. Secondly, if you wanted to do this classic prop trading model that you outlined, almost every license, whether it's offshore or European, gives permissions to do so. And In fact, in Europe, you can get a type of license. It's It doesn't allow you to actually hold the client funds but it would allow you to manage them so you know that's maybe a possibility if you wanted to do the traditional prop trading you'd still need a clearing partner you know an, an actual broker with this license to uh, hold the the client money and to execute the trades and everything else but it's still a possibility uh, the reason i i mention this is Most likely there will be some type of legislation down the road because I don't see prop trading going away. So I imagine at some point there will be a a kind of legislation that they'll come up with. Because one thing, if you go back in in the past, is there was an initial kind of version of prop trading, which was kind of trading contests for prizes. But when ESMA took place, which was basically – the changes in uh, kind of leverage. Yeah. They got rid of that. They said, no, we don't want to gamify, uh, you know, FX. We want it to be a legitimate product. So it does kind of, this, this does kind of come up in a different form. And that's why I imagine they'll, because it's not going to go away. They'll probably just adapt by having some kind of regulation, but we have to wait and see as to how that's going to take shape.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, the the thing I find interesting is how they would actually go about doing that, right? Because, like we said, we you sort of have two, or from from my point of view, you really have two components to this business. You have the challenges, so someone comes, they pay mm-hmm. pay you whatever it is, like five hundred dollars to take one of your challenges, and then you have the other component, which is like people who who pass and how you how they uh, trade an account. And the people, the 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 first part is, to me seems quite easy, right? I'm sure there's operational bits that are, that are yes. tricky but like just from a from a how it works point of view it's it's quite straightforward. The second part is a bit more complicated because it seems like there's quite a lot of ways that you could do that. Um and like in really simple terms it seems like you could, you know, contract whoever passes and then you give them you you basically say okay you're almost like an employee and they trade your money and that is in most cases definitely i think in europe not really a very it, it is regulated i think if you're like an hft kind of thing but it's not very heavily regulated and then you have this sort of alternative model which i see um you know i think X does it i think the trading pit seems to do it looking through how they structure things yes. where you hire so someone passes and then you have this kind of you have an agreement where this person continues to trade a demo account and then the trades they make are like mirrored by some company, your company, and then you're trading the money based on their signals. And then you do a profit split of the money that you may or may not make uh, from from that activity. And that's, I don't know, sure. that ends up being kind of quite meta because if you're, you're still from the client's point of view, they're still just trading a demo account, but then it's almost like... By proxy, you're just trading for them, if that makes sense. So I don't know if you can if you if you are familiar with this side of it or like how that works and then how you could structure things again from a sort of regulatory point of view, is there any nuances or things that people need to be careful of? But also if you were taking like from from my perspective, if you look at my forex funds, they weren't doing either of those things they were just taking client money and running a broker and it was kind of like a ponzi scheme because yeah. they were just taking they weren't segregating accounts right they were just like okay this person has taken him has a chat has you know paid for a challenge and then we'll put that money into an account for someone else who's going to trade it and then they'll be booking those tra- trades so it was this complete mess operationally um i mean that's ultimately i think i'm in trouble is they
1: they went from what I see, well beyond what even the, the the prop firms are doing, and you can't. I mean, they they were an example of why you you can't do that. They they got made an example of, basically.
0: <laughs> yeah. So, like, do you, I mean, maybe you don't know the answer, but just I is it in terms of uh, how you see people structuring things, or from your sort of with your I don't know consultant regulatory hat on, do you think there's a better option? in terms of how you should structure that part of the business.
1: Sure, well it's a good point you made because there are two ways. There's the, just the challenges which, you know, doesn't really involve much because it's more just you can call it education which is what m- many companies do, and then this whole idea of managing the funds. Now, you know, going back to what I mentioned in Europe, uh, they all they already have this kind of licensing where you can get like a portfolio manager or an investment advisor type of license. And if you wanted to offer those services, there is a, you know, regulatory route to do so. The, the, the biggest issue I have, and I do mention this when we, you know, when we talk to clients who want to do it is it is a gray area in terms of this actual funding and what really happens, because if you wanted to do it by the book, then uh, you can have an account with the broker you sign what's called a limited power of attorney with the, you know, the person trading and they can trade the funds, but that should be done with a regulated entity, but a non-regulated company cannot really do that. And that really kind of pushes, I think the limits of, you know, the, the, the current loophole I was mentioning and everything. Cause as soon as you tell somebody, You are managing money, and even if it's not real, you're now you're kind of going into an area that regulators don't like, because you're starting to talk about you know larger sums of money. And what if uh, you were trading a hundred thousand of a broker's money, you made an amount, and they didn't pay you? I mean, now you start to make complaints, and the regulator doesn't like that. So, but there's already an avenue for that. Now, the reality is, I think a lot of companies aren't doing that. I think. And I you know, I mentioned this that I think for some it's a gimmick that, you know, you pass all these challenges, they say you're funded when you're not. Uh, because I mean you have to also understand, like you mentioned these other companies, Darwin X and everything, you know, that's real funds, you know, that's real money. And I I, I often mention this to people who wanna do it. Not everyone is just gonna throw a hundred grand at you and, and allow you to trade their money. That's kind of rare. So you also have to just think of the reality of it. I mean, you might, you have to be a very good trader for someone to to want to fund and finance that, and that's why I am often skeptical as to whether that how often that really goes on.
0: Yeah, you're not the only one. <laughs> um, okay, so uh, maybe we'll we'll move on to another top, topic in a sec. But just, uh, do you have any closing thoughts there? Like anything else that you? I don't know that. Just in the wake of the the MFF stuff happening, you think people should be aware of? Or is it basically just never go to the U.S.?
1: Yeah, I mean, I was contacted by a, a lot of my network, some clients who we helped set up were panicking, and I said, "Look, you, you know, the the ones that I advise is you're not targeting U.S. clients anyway. You know, one company I, I spoke with was in Asia." They don't even have anyone that speaks English in their team. I said, there's nothing to worry about. I mean, you're not even targeting anyone on the continent. I don't think in the, in the, in the short term, meaning for the rest of the year, this will have any regulatory impact. I don't see overnight some region coming out and saying this has to be regulated. Long term, meaning heading into next year, I wouldn't be surprised if we see some regulation, but it's difficult to say in what shape and form it's very hard to predict. It always depends on how they want to view things. I wouldn't be surprised. I don't think this has any major impact except for those who were targeting US clients. And, you know, there was a few Americans I spoke with that were kind of disappointed. I remember one person said, well, what if I get a certain license in America? I said, no, it's not you being licensed, it's your entity has to. And, and that's, it's just, you want to put up 20 million in capital to run a prop firm, it, it makes no sense. So I just think like anything. The conclusion is like any like anything in America, whether it's online poker, uh, whether it's Forex and now prop trading, it ends up getting squashed at some point.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I to be, to be honest, I was looking, you know, on, because I guess I look up stuff from this industry on the internet. I end up getting spammed or like suggested things on different websites. So I thought I remember maybe three months ago something like that i was on youtube and then for whatever reason i started getting suggested u.s trader influencer type people and some of these people are huge you know like hundreds of thousands and they were all they were all just uh shilling different prop firms and trying to get people to sign up and i was like there's no way this is gonna end well uh but no i mean it's lucrative it's a huge market i worked in it for many years it's uh, america's
1: a big country and um it was quite successful for FXCM, who I worked at, but <laughs> you know that's in the past
0: now, <laughs> yeah, so okay, so on the but on still on the topic of regulation and licensing and all this kind of stuff, uh, one of the things I saw you post uh, like a week ago, and I actually included it in the last thing I wrote was um regulation in uh, in offshore regulation in the commerce uh, islands yes. So can you t- tell everyone what happened there?
1: Yeah, so this was a very interesting story. So for the for the record, we never were really promoting it. We we're kind of reactionary that I noticed around the spring of this year, the questions came out of nowhere. People are saying, hey, can you tell us about Comoros? So, our, you know, our team has a lot of experience with licensing. I'm part of a group called Citadel Advisory Group. We're the ones who do the licensing we can do all the offshore licenses we researched it and we didn't like what we found like when we actually looked up and, and read kind of the the regulatory articles on the website it looked like a bad you know term paper that someone handed in it had spelling mistakes the you know the margins weren't correct and we said wait a minute and so it's difficult because we don't like to turn away business but you know, we care a lot about our reputation. So we just said, uh, we don't want to do it. It's just, we don't think this adds any value. Like I often describe it as a, a, you know, a $30,000 PDF. And uh, that was it. And that was in the springtime. Then about two weeks ago, I can't recall off the top of my head, the name of the website, but kind of a financial fraud website did some digging and found that the the companies representing this license were not connected to the government of Mwali. I I, I probably am not pronouncing it uh, properly, but a lot of these times it's tough, tough country names. But anyways, they found that it wasn't legit. And I think I even shared that article with you. I shared it to a few other people. A week after that, the government officially came out. They listed about five different websites That were falsely representing their uh, country and they kind of stated explicitly no we do not offer any licensing and the following companies that were offering this were just complete scams so that is just a a a quick kind of wrap-up of what happened
0: one question i had about that is do you actually think that um that brokers going there really believed that this was real, or do you think that they actually thought knew that it was? Uh, they they like kind of knew what was going on, but just didn't really care because it was a quick way to set up and all that kind of stuff.
1: That that's a very good question. I don't blame the brokers because if you're a, a large name, and and I actually had a call with a, a you know I will not reveal the names for a variety of reasons. I sign NDAs, but also just. You know, now it's a bit embarrassing, but there were some relatively well-known brokers that got this and I don't blame them because what do brokers like to do? They like to show that they're large, that they're represented in all parts of the world. And a lot of times for a large broker, it pays off to jump into an area early because they can say we're one of the first. I blame the consultants for not performing the due diligence because this was purely driven by consultants and you can't blame the brokers if a bunch of companies are doing marketing and pushing it and people are getting it i mean it's like anything else if you have this hype effect then naturally you feel you know, companies get fomo too and they want to get in they want to be so i don't i don't blame them uh, necessarily because even with a lot of the established brokers i talk with they rely on companies like us to give them all of the info that even a a compliance person usually is a specialist in their area so if i'll talk to a broker in cyprus their compliance team knows cyprus regulation but they rely on outside firms for offshore because it's so specialized
0: yeah so in general in that space what sort of developments are you seeing? because i i think the last time we spoke was probably six months ago something like that it was basically when all of this stuff uh, around St Vincent was happening. So we, we tend to speak when shit is going badly. I know it's I know, but it's, uh,
1: <laughs> know, but it's uh, that that's often when you know we can add the most value. So I mean there are some emerging areas. For example, since we spoke, we found out that St Lucia is doing a license and you know my team can offer more details about it, but they do have a license as well. Uh, and there's a few other areas that we're looking into. So there are Always are some new options on the horizon, but the reality is any license that's worth it is going to take a while. It's going to take probably six months, maybe a little bit less. It will take time to get a bank account, it takes time to get things approved. And if you get a, you know, you should be skeptical if you can get a license in two weeks. Something isn't right uh, with that. So, for the most part, the Traditional, what I should say by traditional, meaning the places that have been around for a while, like Mauritius, Vanuatu, Seychelles, etc., those are still the main offshore regions. There are a few emerging areas, but it hasn't changed significantly. And when you hear of some place that you can't even find on a map that's really esoteric, I think the lesson here is to be very skeptical. I mean, I will be even more skeptical now after this.
0: Yeah. And, uh, one of the things I've heard, and this is, you know, always always secondhand and it's only been a couple of times, but is that basically even, <laughs> it seems weird to call them like more old school, but like places like you mentioned, say Seychelles, seems particularly the Seychelles, but, um, you know, Seychelles, Mauritius, Vanuatu actually are kind of becoming tougher as well. Like I think in Vanuatu now you actually, uh, you actually need someone there and stuff like that, whereas that was not really a thing in the past. And and um, yeah. I mean, I spoke to a, someone quite senior, a relatively big broker, a couple of months ago, and they were they just sort of noted this and like how it was even in, yeah, even in the kind of more traditional island offshore places, it was basically becoming, I guess, a bit tougher.
1: Absolutely. I mean, that the theme of this year especially is that the barriers to entry have really gone up. Uh, you can no longer so easily just kind of start an offshore company out of your basement with a shoestring budget. Even a license like Vanuatu, which many still view as a joke, but I mean, it's legitimate in the sense that it is an actual license. The, the, the local banks aren't much, you know, much to brag about, but it is a legit license. I mean, that was a place that went from $2000 in share capital when I began doing this around 10 years ago or so to 50,000 now to 50,000 plus a local office plus a local you know director who's passed exams locally I mean it's a much different case now uh, than it used to be the same for the other regions these licenses are not easy to get if you're a startup and so the the lesson that that I've seen is the industry has matured and even places that I think still people maybe frown upon or say, ah, that's not legit. Those actually have very strict regulation now uh, than they did when they, when they first came out. And I only imagine it becoming more stricter going forward. I mean, the industry has matured, but I think that's positive for the you know, the end user, the traders, because even a place like Vanuatu takes the regulation seriously And, you know, we've seen clients get rejected, get shut down, even in a place like that. So while you'll always get people saying, ah, come on, it's Vanuatu, it is a a legitimate license in terms of what they require and what's needed to, you know, to be able to get approved.
0: Yeah. So do you see any changes happening um, sort of as a consequence of that? Like, you know, I don't know if you get people come, I assume you get some people coming to you who are sort of in the startup. Type space and uh, you know I would imagine like if if there's a kind of squeeze on the ability to start a broker, maybe if you're someone that would be interested in starting a broker five ten years ago, you might look at it and go, okay, I can't do that, but maybe I will do X Y Z instead. So at that, do you see any kind of I don't know what it might be like being a introducing broker or something like that?
1: Yeah, well it's it's gone full circle because when I started my career. The the barrier to entry is not regulation, but tech. This was before kind of the big MetaTrader boom. And you know, I'll just bring up MetaTrader briefly. Now it's quite difficult to get MetaTrader. There's no more white labels. You have to get a license, and to get their license, you have to be regulated, meaning you also must be licensed. So it's it it's gone back to where it was. Now, what I mentioned in the beginning is about full circle, is that previously, and when this industry first came out, there every broker had to develop their own tech, and the industry was so new that it was difficult to find anyone who even knew how FX worked, and you had to pump hundreds of thousands of dollars into your own technology. And, I mean, that was quite massive. Plus, you couldn't find investors because no one knew anything about this. So it, it made the most sense to begin with, as an IB to partner up with the broker, and I see it coming back to that because not everyone is going to have the hundred thousand dollars, which is around the minimum it takes to get a license plus all the other budget you need. I mean you need marketing, sales, you need technology uh, you know to to consider as part of your expenditure. When you add all of that up, you're going well over a hundred k and if you're a startup, why would you plop down all that money if you don't have any clients or it's brand new? You can more cost-effectively just be a referral agent, an affiliate, an IB, you know, whatever the, the term is, and start off that way. And if things grow and the revenue justifies it, then you can get a license and slowly expand. That's that's the way I see it. Although many people I talk to, they see the big brokers and they say, no, 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 I want to cut all of this. I want to be that. And it's no longer so easy anymore.
0: <laughs> yeah. Interesting. Okay, well, I actually uh have gotta go, so we're gonna have to finish no now. Problem. But uh Jonathan, thanks very much for, for joining me again. My uh, pleasure. And uh yeah, Jonathan will be at Cyprus. I'll be in Cyprus, so see you guys there. Perfect.
1: See everyone there. Thank you very much again.